Hey everybody, we're doing something special for this week's Trek in Time. We're releasing an episode of our members-only podcast, Out of Time, so you can get a taste for what it's like. This is where Sean and I talk about what we've been watching, reading, or playing. So it could be a movie, TV show, or video game. And this week we're talking about Sandman on Netflix, Night Sky, and the new Predator movie, Prey. If you like what you hear, head over to trekintime.show and click the Join Now button to become an ensign and get access to the members-only feed. And we're trying to release one or two of these episodes a month, so we hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to Out of Time. You being able to hear the sound of my voice are a cadet because the only way to hear this sound of my voice <laughs> is by being a supporter of Trek in Time. And thank you for being a supporter there. Thank you for taking your time to listen to us here. And as you know, this is where Matt and I talk about whatever the hell we want. You cannot stop us. Don't even try. <laughs> So on today's episode, I think we've got two things to talk about, and one of them is something I have watched that Matthew has not, and one of them is something that Matthew has watched that I have not, I think. Yeah, you I don't actually know it. what Matt has watched. Yeah, I know you haven't. So Okay. <laughs> so apparently Matt is going to talk about a home movie he made, which That's he hasn't right. shared with me. <laughs> but Matt, if it's okay with you, I'll start off. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I... On this day, August 6th, 2002, would like to talk about a show that just premiered on Netflix yesterday on August 5th. It is the show Sandman, which the Sandman is based on the 1980s into the 90s comic book written by Neil Gaiman. And Gaiman is one of the developers of the show, along with David S. Goyer, Alan Heinberg. It's on Netflix. It's produced by DC with Warner Brothers. Interesting, they didn't put it on HBO Max, but maybe that's good in the long run because right now HBO Max seems to be on the verge of burning down. It's a hot of Discovery mess. Plus. But let's yeah. cut back to the show, which just released. I have never been as impressed by an adaptation of a comic book as I am by this. Really? It is remarkable. They have managed to capture what people for years, including Neil Gaiman, have been saying was an unfilmable comic book. It is a story that is rooted in a mythology that is so meta that it verges on being an idea more than a thing that is seen or tangible. Mm -hmm. And they managed to make it tangible. I think that much like the recent movie Dune and other films that we're seeing, the ability of special effects teams to be able to say, oh, you can describe anything, we can make it happen, mm -hmm. has finally reached that point where you have the ability to say, oh, we're going to be able to do that. So you have the main character who's Morpheus, the Lord of dreams. And he's played by St Tom Sturridge, who is an actor that apparently was raised in the eugenics program to create the exact look of the comic book character from the 1980s. It is a remarkable resemblance. I cannot get past it. Even the shape of his nose is as if he was pulled from the pages and they managed to do some shots that are literal 
takes from the comic book as if the comic book was the storyboard. So there are some moments where as I'm sitting there, I am flashing back to being 19 years old and reading this comic in my dorm room in college and thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. It is philosophy. It is meta storytelling. It is in some ways it brushes up against historical fiction. In some ways it brushes into science fiction. That is a kind of historical science fiction. So it's got a kind of Lovecraftian element to it. It's got a kind of magic, but it's not straight up sorcery. It is magic in the form of demonology and it plays with all of these tropes and visuals in remarkable ways. It is pretty to look at. It is well acted. It is well directed. It is touching and challenging. It is challenging in a great way because mm-hmm. they are dealing with a story that is very complex while also being boiled down simply to from the world of dreams where this main character is Lord, the dreams and nightmares have escaped into the real world and he okay. has to go back and collect them. And it is a DC comic book that is, in some ways, you could argue it is a meta comic book to a lot of DC. And there was a point at, in the comic book, it alluded to a character of the Sandman who was originally a comic book character in the 1950s as being a person who enacted during Morpheus's missing years enacted what Morpheus was. So this is a character who kind of sits above the realm of DC heroes. There's reference to characters like Constantine Mm -hmm. who are known characters that have been on TV and movies before. This is a opportunity I think for DC to really kind of create a something that Marvel has done with the Eternals and some of the movies which have hinted at the larger universe beyond what the heroes see. This is something that the DC universe needed, I think. And it is beautifully rendered It is beautifully done. And I can't wait to continue the series. It is an hour long first episode and then a 35 minute second episode. So if you watch those two back to back, you get a nice movie. And Mm -hmm. I recommend watching them like that. Don't save the second episode for the, for a a later viewing. I really do recommend taking the time to watch them back to back because while the first episode is complete, it is the second episode that makes you jump off into what will this series be about as opposed to the first episode really being about introductions. The second episode is now here we go. So it's worth watching all the way through. Is this going to be a limited series? Like it's one season done. See you later. Or do you think, or is this going to be more than one season? I've reached the point where I'm no longer guessing about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. For me, could this continue in perpetuity? I really don't know. I think there is a lot of value to the storytelling when you go in with a finite story to tell. And this is a character I think that would benefit from having a finite story where they tell a story and then they leave. And if they come back for a second season, maybe years from now, I think kind of following a more British mode of how British TV typically does it, which is we've got a story to tell. We're done telling the story and now we leave and now we come back and we do another story 
I, I think that there's a kind of exhaustion that can set in when a series tries too hard to stick around. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this to me, this doesn't feel right out of the gate the way that like the foundation series on Apple felt because right. the foundation series is based on a series of books. There are so many words written to tell yeah. the full foundation yeah. story that, yeah, you can tell that first season and be like, I hope that they're going to come back and continue this because clearly they left a lot of threads in the air. I don't know if this is going to do the same thing. It has right out of the gate. It feels like it might be a little bit more monster of the weekish in that mm-hmm. he's got to collect these nightmares. He's got to collect these dreams in order to rebuild his empire. So that feels a little more finite to me, but if it works and it is a monster of the week, then that could continue in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. You could keep on un- unfolding things. It has a certain aspect to it that is scratching the supernatural itch that is missing since that series ended. And yes, I did watch all of supernatural. I did not watch it in real time. I didn't watch it over a 15 year period. I, I yeah. basically watched it via streaming until I was caught up with real time and supernatural was not a great show by the end. But that kind of storytelling of the things that go bump in the night, the shows that are doing that for me right now are now the Sandman very clearly and the show evil, which is on Paramount. And if you weren't watching evil, you need to be watching that because it is, it is like watching a show a la lost or supernatural but X-Files. set in 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 x-files and it's set in a in a small world of a family a family friend the the relationships between these people constantly being pulled as people are exposed to literal evil that is lurking and manipulating things behind the scene and it is masterfully done yeah. This show to me felt like it's scratching the same itch, but in a very different way, in a nice. totally mystical, mythical meta way. And the acting, the writing, everything is just, it is right out of the gate. So well done. Partway through the first episode, almost toward the end of the first episode, my son turned to me and he said, wait a minute, are you sure this is a series or is this a movie? <laughs> and after we were done watching it, I said to him, that's what's fantastic about this. It really did feel like a movie. Right. It's that caliber of special effects. It's that cal- caliber to the scope of the story that they're telling, where in the first episode, you really do feel like, wow, this is pretty epic. How can this be a TV show? Yeah. So really, really recommend it. Strong recommend. I'm going to cheat. I said I was going to bring up one thing. I'm going to bring up two things really quick. Because what you talked about made me think of this. I just finished watching. My wife and I just finished watching this yesterday. It stars J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek. It's called Night Sky. Uh, It's on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. And to say I loved it would be an understatement. I thought it was a brilliant show. And it's amazing to watch two master actors just at the top of their game. It's basically an old retired couple. And you don't see that kind of couple represented on television or movies very often at all. And it was mm-hmm. really cool to see them being the protagonists of the show. And it's, it's a science fiction show that revolves around them and it is a slow burn. So if you, if you don't enjoy slow burn movies or TV shows, you're probably not going to like it. But if you enjoy the mystery box slowly getting opened, like one little flap at a time, episode mm-hmm. to episode, and it, 
keeps keeps you going. It's really about character development. It's the primary thing. It's all about the characters and the plot is secondary. And so it's mm-hmm. like the plot is slow over the entire season, but the character developments have you on the edge of your seat of like mm-hmm. how people are relating to each other and how they're evolving and why they're doing what they're doing. It is a really good show. I loved it. And where it ended left me going, oh, dear God, please make a season two of this. And I don't know how you're going to do it because these two actors are probably very expensive and are probably very busy. And so I mm-hmm. can't imagine them doing a season two. I really hope they do. Uh, but the other thing I brought up, wanted to bring up is special effects. You can do anything. This show has some of the best de-aging I've ever seen in a movie or a television show. There are moments where you can tell it's de-aged. But they have flashback sequences in the show of Sissy Spacek and J.K. Simmons like 20 years earlier. Mm. And there are moments where you're like, you don't even think it's special effects. It just looks like them 20 years ago. And it's, mm. it is bananas. It is so incredible. You're just so in, in the moment. Like there was a point in the season finale, I turned to my wife and said, I can't believe that sequence right there. I couldn't tell that was special effects at all because it looked like J.K. Simmons like losing his mind and grabbing an axe and running at something. And it was just like, oh, wait, 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 that looked like young virile, you know, like right. JK Simmons. <laughs> and it was like, right. and then the next shot you see him looking like a decrepit old man. And so it's like incredible that they can do this kind of stuff now. Mm. And I love seeing actors like them having a vibrant career, even when they're <laughs> in their seventies, still going strong. The, the thing I did want to bring up was just yesterday, just like Sandman came out yesterday, a new predator movie came out yesterday on Hulu called prey mm-hmm. and i was looking forward to this i'm a predator fan first predator movie schwarzenegger it was one of the first rated r movies i ever saw in the theater and it left a huge impression on me i ain't got time to bleed all that kind of stuff i love that movie in my opinion that movie is kind of perfection for a action film this movie the predator series went down the tubes over became, every every sequel got worse it became worse. a weird freddy krueger yeah yeah and then the predator versus aliens nonsense it like it went so off the rails and just became just dumb Mm -hmm. this movie sean yeah you gotta watch it is basically hitting the reset button on on the predator stuff and it base it really made it feel fresh and inventive and fun and the whole concept and i love this and here's what i want to bring about i'm a huge fan of dan trachtenberg who directed this film I, I first learned about Dran Trachtenberg when he was doing a podcast 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It was a video podcast called Totally Rad Show. And I became a huge fan. It was just three friends geeking out, doing what we're doing right now, reviewing TV shows, movies, and video games. And I became a huge fan of him. And he was trying to become a filmmaker. And he had been mm-hmm. doing com- he had been directing commercials. And then the show ended because Dan Trachtenberg got his first major film directing job and they had to basically cancel the show. Because he can no longer <laughs> review movies when he's actually actively trying to make movies. So the show ended. And he, one of his first feature films that came out was 10 Cloverfield Lane, which right. if you haven't seen it, I think is ma- it's a tremendous film. Yeah. And to me, it shows why, like, to me, he's like the new generation of like Spielberg, that kind of vein. He has a very distinct visual style. He's very big on character development. He, he knows how to... F- like set up shots that aren't just, Ooh, this shot is cool looking. It's like every shot has a purpose and that's the kind of filmmaker I like. It's very David Fincher and Spielberg. And, and he knows how to set up a faint that doesn't make you feel tricked. Correct. 
that's and, one of the things about Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield, is how yeah. he manages to redirect what is happening and what you think is happening. And any good storyteller gets the audience yes. to say, oh, I know where this is headed. And then when they manage to change direction, that audience doesn't feel cheated. That's a good storyteller. And he's and he does that in great ways with 10 Cloverfield. So there, yeah, I, I'm right on board with what you said about him. There's, there's other aspects to his filmmaking where it's like, he's not afraid to let a shot linger. Like mm -hmm. he's definitely not in the camp of the Michael Bay's where I can't stand Michael Bay directors like that just like are doing cuts like every half a second rapid cuts to make it feel like there's kinetic action when there's actually nothing happening. I can't stand that kind of filmmaking where Dan Trachtenberg is the opposite, where it's like, if I let this shot linger for a little longer than you think it should be lingering, it's going to create a sense of tension that's going to make you unnerved and it's going to help amplify things. It's very Hitchcockian and Spielberg kind of thing. So he did some Black Mirror episodes, which I recommend watching that are really good. I didn't know he was had directed this. Mm. And when I was, I was already interested to watch it. And then when I started watching it and it's, and, and his name came up, I flipped out. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know he directed this. And you could tell immediately it was a guy who knows how to do filmmaking. It's a the basic premise is go back in time. And it's a predator shows up on earth to basically start hunting. And it's not, he's not here for humans. He's just here to hunt. And it's hundreds of years ago. It's set in the early 1700s with some native Americans. And it's right. a young Native American girl that ends up going toe to toe with this predator. And that on its face is like, that is a brilliant concept because it's yeah. like, how the hell can this girl who basically has an ax and a bow and arrow going to be able to stand up to this alien right. from another planet coming to the to hunt them for fun, for sport. My only complaint is there are some moments in the movie that have some on the nose, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, like comments like yeah uh, they actually say if it can bleed we can kill it and yeah. when they said that i rolled my eyes and was like why why would you do that that was so stupid and on the nose so there's a few moments like that in the film but i really overall thought it was a blast it was just so much fun and i was really glad to see that there's still life left in that franchise you just mm -hmm. have to think outside the box and come at it from a new direction and also have really good actors the the woman that plays the uh, Native American teenage girl is exceptional. She's great. I, I just, I recommend the movie. It's, it's really, really good. And if you have Hulu, it's just a free watch. It's an hour and a half, not a long sit, just a good time. Yeah. It seems like a really good option. I saw a trailer for it uh, the other day. I turned on my Roku and it was a trailer ad was right there. And I knew the movie was being made. I knew it was going to be the first movie that was going to be made with, are they speaking Comanche through? They do not. I wish, I wish that was the one thing I was like, I wish they had had been speaking Comanche through the entire thing. They speak Comanche at the very beginning and then it flips into English and then okay. they're speaking English for the rest of the movie. I'd, I thought I'd it'd read been better something with subtitles. about them. I thought yeah. it'd been really cool subtitles. I, I, I read something about the making of the film and I, I wonder if they did do a Comanche shoot through because there was something saying it would be the first time that Comanche was being portrayed by the leads in a film and i thought it was going to be the entire thing was going to be a comanche but even with that i watched the trailer yeah. and like you i knew that they were making this movie i was interested in this movie and i was waiting to see the trailer for the movie because my entire thing was the predator franchise has gotten so bad 
yeah. that when I started watching the trailer, I thought, okay, this will show pretty quickly. Like, what are the special effects like? What is the tone of this? And the trailer does a great job of saying, like, look, we're being we're serious about this as opposed to this is a cash grab. This is not a aliens versus predators. This is not Freddy versus Jason. It looks like a movie that is telling a unique story, a specific story, yeah. and a story that happens to have the predator elements, but is not trying to bite off of predator four or five or whatever number they're on. Yeah. There are some moments in the movie that also have a little bit of the Chekhov's gun. If you don't know what that is, it's like yeah. when you show something in a film, it's supposed to have a purpose. So like yeah. if you show a gun on a table as a viewer, you can pretty much assume at some point somebody's going to pick up the gun off the table. That's like you don't show the gun on the table and then it's never shown again. It's like there right. are some moments in the film where some things happen that you might go, oh, I bet we're going to come back to that. And it doesn't detract from the film, in my opinion. It's yeah. like th those are minor nitpicks. But in yeah. general, I just had a good time watching it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's like in a movie when you see two characters suddenly have a very awkward conversation about why grandma's knitting needles are always in the wrong room. Why are grandma's knitting needles always here in the kitchen? And you're <laughs> yes. like, okay, somebody's going to get stabbed with grandma's knitting needles. Yeah, that's exactly. coming up. Yeah. So, yeah, the the Chekhov's gun issue uh, sometimes can be distracting, but I still think that it sounds like a movie I'll definitely want to check out. Yeah. So I think that's it for today's episode of Out of Time. As I mentioned before, you're hearing the sounds of our voices because you are a supporter and we do appreciate that. You really make not only this, but you make Trek in Time a reality. You help keep that going by supporting us directly. So we appreciate you doing that. We appreciate you checking us out and we appreciate you spending your time with us. And we will talk to you next time when we have an out of time. <laughs>